Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your co-hosts, Jess Geyer. I am one half of Wannabe Games. I am a TTRPG designer, and I currently have a Kickstarter out called The Means of Magic. You can find information on that at bit.ly forward slash means of magic with a K at the end. That's my little plug at the beginning of the episode. I'm going to throw <laughs> it over to Craig, though, my co-host. I feel so weird about promoting myself. So, Craig, tell me about yourself. <laughs> Um, my name is Craig Campbell. I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games. Uh, I also design TTRPGs, um, and I have no compunction about promoting Jess's work. I think you should go and check out Means of Magic with a K at the end. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, uh, back it if you like it and, and tell your friends about it. But we also have a guest here today, um, Sebastian Ua. Hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Sebastian. Well, Welcome. Thank you for coming. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I am a TTRPG writer, designer, editor, and performer. I have uh, written adventures and supplements, subclasses, stat blocks for D&D, which you can find on DM's Guild. I also write my own games, which you can find on Itch. And I stream with Utopia. That's awesome. What a great CV. And I love itch as a platform to post games and things like that, but I don't have anything on DMs Guild. What's that experience like? Uh, honestly, it's quite good. Um, it has the, there's a community content agreement and it means that you can write things that are set in the world of D&D. Um, but if you don't need to do that and you don't need to use um, Wizards of the Coast intellectual property, you can publish uh, elsewhere. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I've heard about it. I've, I've downloaded stuff from it. I've just never published anything on it. Uh, Craig, what are we talking about today with our, our podcast? Um, I believe we have hit peak um, tied togetherness. We, we try to tie our uh, uh, jamming and game design topics together. We're going to talk about safety tools in both contexts. So it's going to be all about safety tools, all episode long, nothing but safety tools, except for when we, you know, zoom off into little tangent things and come back. Um, but uh, just from the GMing perspective, I know we've talked about this a bit on the show um, as, as a part of other topics and other things we've talked about, mm -hmm. which is establishing safety tools and figuring out, you know, what to use for safety tools um, when you're running a game, when you're GMing. Um, and certainly players have a say and in, in involvement in all of that. But I thought we could just take a look at um, approaches that, uh, you know, each of us has taken or just general advice and ideas and thoughts about incorporating safety tools into the game. And I think um, starting just because it may be a topic that's not necessarily um, familiar to everyone is to tell uh, what is a safety tool? What are we talking about? So I would say that safety tools are just that they're systems that everyone can agree upon in order to kind of formalize boundaries and um, establish like from the get-go what kinds of topics they're interested in engaging with, um, what kinds of topics they are not interested in engaging with, and just making sure that that's clear to the whole table. It's a way of uh, having a conversation and just making sure that everybody is on the same page with regard to what kind of content they would like to see in the game. That's, that's a really good way of framing it. I think so many people frame safety tools as a, a way to like prevent people from being harmed during the game, but framing it as a like 
making sure everyone is seeing the kind of content that they want to see in the game, making it more, less of that negative focus and more of that positive focus, I think is a, a better way actually to frame safety tools. Oh, thank you. Um, I think that it could go both ways. And I think that um, you can definitely try to use safety tools to minimize um, the chances of people being harmed at the table. But I think that um, inevitably uh, in games that are very um, high on improvisation, I think that there's always the chance that something is going to come up and uh, and it might upset somebody. And I think that that is, that's okay. It just has to come from a place of uh, caring about the other players and what's happening at the table. And I think that if there are safety tools in place, then that, um, that allows everybody to uh, react uh, properly and it gives the, uh, the person who was upset like the chance to, um, to to react to respond to it and how they want and then like what follows can be a conversation about like oh what happened and how can we prevent this from happening in the future kind of thing as opposed to um, something that completely stops the flow of play or something that um, that makes the player who uh, you know did the transgression feel absolutely terrible and I think that um, you know you could like mistakes happen and things happen but having safety tools is a really good way of establishing that uh, it's going to be something that is present throughout the game and it's going to be an ongoing sort of conversation about uh, what everybody is and isn't comfortable with and it just creates this culture whereby people who uh, do feel upset during a game have uh, have the means of speaking up if that makes sense it it does I always use safety tools when I run games um, especially when I run games for a new group of people um, I always like to start with my, my favorite safety tool is the lines and veils. So people come up, um, they, they can share privately with me as the GM, or they can share openly at the table, depending on their comfort level. Um, I've seen people give like Google forms for this or, or Google sheets to fill out. Um, but people can tell what is your hard line in, in this like content that you like, please do not broach. Please don't, don't even mention it. And then the veils are things like, I'm uncomfortable with this, but I'm okay if it it's brought up, it might be a fade to black, um, and just kind of getting getting that content there so you as a GM know where to direct the flow of traffic, especially if that player isn't comfortable sharing what those things might be with someone else who might be a stranger at the table. Uh, I have found that to be the most helpful for me when running games for like a group of strangers on the internet, basically. Um, I also use the X card, but I haven't found that um, as useful. I think that that's, I like it. And I know some people find a lot of good, uh, like a lot of good use out of it. What the X card is, is some people like put an actual card with an X on it in the middle of the table, or you might type X in the chat or something like that, or even make an X with your fingers. And that signals to people to stop, revert, reverse the flow of, of the, of the game, or even stop and take a quick break, um, depending on, you know, you have to discuss these things ahead of time. Um, I just haven't found great use out of that because I feel like it's not as proactive. It's more reactive. I like those proactive safety tools a lot more. Yeah, um, honestly, I also really love lines and veils. It's a really great way to establish like um, where things are before you sit down to play. But um, the X card can be good for for while you're playing the game. Um, I think that it is. I think that it's important to have both types of tools mm -hmm. in the sense that um, you know you, you know you can you can have all the lines and veils in place, and still something might come up that a player didn't actually know um, would upset them. And then finding that out in the game can be can be honestly quite a time. So the so having the X card for during play can actually be quite good. In a lot of my home games, we tend to use method that, uh, that that's kind of like the video method. So we use um, rewind if we want to go back and redo a scene over. We use pause if we just need to uh, just need a moment to pause the game. 
Um, so like there are all sorts of tools you can use, but I think that like both serve very different functions. Oh yeah. I, like I said, I use both. I just, I like the, the proactive ones better because there are going to be holes. Like you mentioned in the beginning, there are going to be mistakes made or topics broached that people didn't realize were going to make them uncomfortable or that they wanted to change in the scene. And it's, it's important to have the conversation about how you will implement those tools as a GM. What are you going to do if someone does use the X card? Is it, we're going to stop the whole table have a talk about it together. Am I going to pull this person aside? Like you need to have the, the follow through. I, I, you know, there are safety tools in pretty much every good public space that exists, like a protocol of yeah, if absolutely. this happens, let's hope it doesn't. But if it happens, how are we going to move on? How are we going to all feel good about what we are doing to fix or reestablish norms? Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth mentioning before we get too far away from it, Sebastian, you talked about the uh, like the pause, rewind um, kind of uh, uh, video recorder version of things. There's a, um, a published kind of codified set of safety tool rules um, that uh, was put together by Brie Bo Sheldon, which is script change, which is exactly that, which kind of talks about like, what does pause mean? What does fast, you know, like fast forward is like, okay, we're, we've, we've dwelled on this thing for too long. Let's <laughs> move on. Um, I'm okay with it. We don't have to, to mess around with it at all, but let's just get moved on to the next thing. And there's a whole, you know, it's like every button on the, on the, on the video recorder has uh, something associated with it. And I find that very handy and it, it's a nice tool in uh to keep in mind for like cinematic games because it thematically seems to kind of fit so it's something that you'll be kind of thinking like if you're playing a game that you know is going to be kind of it's going to have these kind of cinematic features to it it's going to be kind of high concept actiony oriented or um high drama um uh, uh, like especially high concept stuff like very w out, out there sort of science fiction and stuff where people are kind of thinking of it in terms of like what am i seeing in the movie scene um you know, you, you get into that, that headspace where it's like, okay, rewind, hold on, pause. <laughs> um, and that all, that all works well. Um, and to, to expand kind of into the GMing realm too, one of the things that strikes me is, you know, we've talked a lot on the, on the show about GMing and planning and, you know, preparing for long-term campaigns, for one shots, for thematic elements that are going to play out all the way through the, from, from even beyond um, having everybody comfortable at the table and everybody taking responsibility to make sure that everybody is having a good experience. Um, it's just a huge time saver for a GM to be able to know where like lines and veils sort of are. You don't want to start putting all of your storytelling yeah. eggs into one basket and then suddenly discover, oh, half my table is not a fan of spiders. So guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to have a big spider themed thing going on here. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll change it to some other critter or we'll change the story entirely. Um, and to know that beforehand so that you're not suddenly going down a road that you have to make a bunch of changes. Um, and that'll help to make just, you know, smoother storytelling in general, um, and, and make it easier for you as a GM to do your job. Yeah, it is. And that session zero session zero is your biggest safety tool that's out there, like sitting down before you actually start playing getting to know everybody, what they want in the story, what they don't want in the story. And, you know, like what kind of story are you going to tell? So everyone has these expectations that are set. Because uh, sometimes, sometimes we like to play games where there are some hard topics in them. It's never a good idea to just like throw that out 
at random times or out of the blue. They should be something that people are, you know, prepared for. You don't pick up a book and not have any idea that the book is going to contain darker themes. Like there, there's no other media out there that is going to be have ratings for movies. The titles will give you hints. You can read synopses, like the little back of the book blurbs. So there's no reason that you shouldn't do it as a GM or as players too. Um, as a player, make sure that you assert your own agency and make sure that the tables that you are playing at have safety tools as well um, and protect your fellow players. But I, I get, <laughs> it always bothers me when I see people kind of like say like, oh, safety tools, they don't like, that's just breaking the immersion of my game or um, it's like not using them for whatever reason. They, they are, it's such a good planning tool. Like you said, Craig. I'm, I'm going to go out there and, th- and throw this. As the cis straight white guy um, on the podcast today, I know that one of the things we see, again, and I'm going I'm to go ahead and talk about it for a moment, Jess is, and Sebastian, is the person who says, well, my group knows that anything goes. We all know each other for a long time. We don't need these tools. Um, and that's the the argument that you get from certain people in the RPG community. And I would posit that the fact that you are a longtime friend group is precisely a very good reason for needing the tools because you think everybody in that group is on the same page. Everybody's kind of played the same way. Everybody's played this, done this. And I would say that in a lot of groups, in a surprisingly high percentage of groups, there's one or more people in that group who has had something come up in the game who they've been like, I don't like this. I don't want this to ever happen again, Mm -hmm. but they don't say anything about it precisely because it is a long time group that they don't want to upset. They don't want to shake up the table. They don't want to endanger a friendship. Um, And so having a system in this where you can address it beforehand and you can also deal with um, things that come up later is incredibly useful to the group that does really know each other very well, because people Um, I've been watching House lately, so we're going to diverge into House for just a moment. House, one of the things that House loves to say, Dr. Gregory House, is that everybody lies. And that is true of your best friends, of the people that you've been gaming with for 5, 10, 15 years. There's people in there who are lying through omission by not saying that, hey, can we not ever do this again? I guarantee it. It's happening all the time. So just have that talk. Make sure you, you, you might be surprised. And that's, that's such a good point. Like we don't want to shake things up. Most people aren't going to be confrontational, even if they're feeling uncomfortable. And when you don't have those safety tools in place, anytime that you're stopping the action to say, Hey, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't like this is automatically putting that negative lens on it. Whereas putting the safety tools and putting those protocols in place no longer makes it a negative interaction, but a positive one. How can we move forward? So everyone has a good experience. This is what we're going to do. It's nobody's fault. Let's, I mean, unless it is somebody's fault, that's a whole different area that we don't need necessarily need to get to, but it's nobody's fault. Let's learn what we did and how are we going to go on and continue our fun game of (laughs) that we want to have fun playing. Yeah. Um, I would, I would definitely agree with both of those points. And I think that, um, 
if you've been playing for people who you, uh, if you've been playing with people who you've known for a really long time and you've been playing for, you know, five, 10 longer that five, 10 longer years, then um, that kind of assumes that like the people at the table haven't grown or changed or had experiences that are different in that time. And you mm-hmm. kind of can't really assume that someone is the same um, and has all the same kind of boundaries that they did um, five, 10 or maybe more years ago. Um, especially if uh, people are growing older and entering different stages of their lives. Um, I mean, I, I've played with people who have children and one of the, one of the lines that comes up is I don't want a story that deals with harm to children because, it, because it suddenly becomes very personal for them. So I think that it's, yeah, absolutely super important to have those conversations, even if you have been playing together for a long time. And it does mean that there is, that you're going into the game already with established norms. And it, if it hasn't been the norm to communicate when you, when you're uncomfortable, then you just won't, and you'll just kind of sit there not having a good time and then no one will know about it. And as you said, Jess, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, have to become like a personal thing. If you have safety tools in place, it can be, oh, um, we agreed to all of these things in advance, just a reminder that those are in place. So can everybody at the table, please be mindful of that kind of thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to you, you said this thing, and now I'm really upset with you as a person. And, and which would you rather have, uh, looking back to Jess's comment about how, like somebody says, well, if, you know, if you have to suddenly deal with the safety tool, it breaks immersion in the middle of the game. It kind of, you know, puts a pause, puts a damper on the moment. Well, what would you rather have? Everybody take one moment to fix a a potential issue or have one player in, in the group have constantly be, you know, pulled out of the game and find themselves not enjoying yeah. and, and disengaging from things because you're constantly coming back to this thing that's bothering them and you just don't know it. And like everybody suffer one time so that one person doesn't have to suffer 17 times. Yeah. And it's not even <laughs> suffering. Like every time I've had to like pause the game to, to do the script change or to someone, someone plays the X card or uh, we have to like fade to black on something. It's never been like, it's never been a huge event. You know, it's not something that's going to take forever because again, you're putting the time in place ahead of time to establish what you're going to do. It's not any more immersion breaking than someone getting up to go to the bathroom. It's not this huge problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and honestly, every single time someone has um, has felt that they're comfortable enough with me to say, oh, I didn't enjoy this thing that happened in the game. I'm actually very grateful. I would rather know that information than not. So I'm definitely not complaining about it. And my first response is always like, oh, thank you for letting me know. We we won't do it going forward. It can be very, it can be very, very simple and very, very painless. And looking into like keep note of people's reactions when you do use those safety tools because it's a big red flag if they do get upset because you are using them that might be not be the table for you that might be some a place that's toxic and you need to move on from yeah for sure and i mean there are and like there are various different types of safety tool and it is important that you pick the one that's that's you know that feels right for your group and the style of play that you want to go through and if it somehow does turn out that that is you know the safety tools just aren't for you then like okay but that's still a conversation that you should have with the with the whole table if you if you like to be surprised and you genuinely have nothing that could upset you in the game then okay but also like there just has to be that has to be something that the whole table agrees upon like I personally would not play at a table that doesn't use safety tools, but if you're all vehemently opposed to that, then like, okay, I guess. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I guess when it comes down to it, what you do at your own private table 
sure. Like, like you said, it's been okay, I guess, if you're all vehemently opposed to it. But at the same time, it's kind of like getting into the practice of that headspace. What you do in private does impact what you do when you're not in those scenarios. So if you ever go to a convention, you can't make those assumptions and you might get fall into a bad habit because you've been practicing bad habits at home. Yeah, exactly. And like these days, increasingly um, conventions are using safety tools in their games. And so that is something that you'll have to be, that you'll have to be respectful of if you don't, if you don't agree to abide by the rules of the table, um, then you won't be able to participate in that game. And that's just, you know, that, that will just be as a result of your own choices. So, you know, there are benefits and drawbacks. And I would, would say that um, safety tools are a really good um, indicator of uh, how open you are to being um, like responsible and um considerate of everybody else's feelings. For sure. Are there any safety tools that we haven't mentioned that you've used as a jam before? Uh yeah. So actually like I the like the TTRPG safety toolkit like itself is not a safety tool, but it is a compilation of different resources. And um, I actually worked on it doing transcription. Um, it, there's also panels and interviews in there and there are um, just documents that kind of list a bunch of different ones. And so I would recommend that um, if you're interested in safety tools want to know more about what's out there that you um, that you check it out. It's uh, bit.ly slash TTRPG safety toolkit to find out, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of them in there. <laughs> I see so, so, so many people reference that particular document and it's great. Like when I was growing up, this is not something that was on our minds or ever discussed in game spaces. And there have been times where like, for me, one of my, like, I, I don't want, there are certain topics I don't want in a game and They've come up in games when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, and it made me, it completely broke my immersion. Craig, like you said, like, it was just a constant, like, I was out of the game, I was uncomfortable, and I didn't come back. And (laughs) that ruined the experience for me. Like, it was harmful to me. Um, So I'm so glad that there, that this is something that's on people's minds that we're talking about a lot, that we're developing and having this really good conversation as a gaming space about, and I'm so, so, so happy when conventions have a column in their book, like what safety tools are you going to use? (laughs) Like what will be there? Will there be safety tools? I need to see that when I go to a game so I can feel safe. Something Jess said made me think of one that's worth mentioning, particularly for convention games or like online one shots with, uh, with that you're if you're doing with like a lot of people, it's strangers, a lot of people that don't really know each other at the table um, is one that's referred to open door, which is, uh, you know, you just make it clear to everyone at the beginning that if this game is going somewhere that you're not comfortable with, it, like especially in your around, by, it, it might be the added uh, stresses and anxieties of being with strangers and not really knowing um, and, and not really being sure how to approach bringing things like that up that, you know, you can get up and just leave the game and you, nobody gets to ask you why nobody gets to make a thing out of it. You can just, you can step away. It's like, if, you, if you're not having fun, if it's not working for you, if, if something is just continually being a problem, um, it's perfectly reasonable, especially, especially in games. Like, don't feel like you're beholden. Like every, every player should be able to just get up and walk from the game. It's nothing's going to grind to a halt. Like the other players will continue. They might be, you know, like, hmm, what happened? But you know, they don't get to ask about it. Like they, the, the person said, that's enough. And they left. Yeah. 
that that's a great safety tool too. Um, it just means, yep, if things aren't working for you, you can just leave and that is always an option. Yeah. I think as a GM too, it is like during that session zero, um, especially if you're going to have a longer campaign um, and you're with friends to discuss upfront, like, hey, here are some topics that I, that are integral to like this kind of story I'm going to be going. Like in Moonpunk, there's a lot of state sanctioned violence. Um, it's all about, you know, people being oppressed and the systems that they use to fight against that oppression. And those can be some topics that are difficult for, for some people to handle. Uh, so knowing upfront, like, Hey, this is the kind of game we're going to play. If you're not comfortable with that, this might not be the table for you. And that's okay as well. Um, you know, uh, just being upfront, having conversations, the, the best safety tool is communication always. <laughs> yes. That upfront discussion with the, the GM, just kind of letting the players know, especially if it's, especially if it's going to be a campaign, um, is like what, what, what they can expect in something like, like, you know, in particular, like horror campaign saying something, you're playing a horror game. Well, you know, what does that mean? Is it going to be campy fifties horror sci-fi, you know, nuclear monster kind of horror, or is it going to be blood and guts, body horror that's going to get graphic and descriptive? Like there's, those are very, very different types of games. And they're, you know, making sure that people know like you're planning to do something that's going to be a horror based game and players can say, well, I don't mind this, but let's not spend, you know, big chunks of time on describing viscera. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's, that's a big turnoff for, for, for some people um, where some people like they love that horror, um, you know, it can, it can be any of, you know, and, and, and horror I pick because I, you know, I'm a big horror buff and um, I've designed some horror games, but you know, there's uh, the same sort of thing can happen with, with uh, other, other kind of sub genres and so forth too. There, there are extremes of every genre. Yeah. And there are some, like, sometimes I just need to be in the right mental space to handle that. Like, a lot of people like true crime. Um, I have to be in in a in a really good mental spot to handle like listening to a true crime podcast, for example. It doesn't mean that it's a never. It's like that that's a veil for me, for example. Like I need to know up front, so it's not going to come as a shock. And I know that if I'm in a bad mental space at that point, maybe that's not where I'm going to be right now. <laughs> and it lets me have the agency. It throws the agency back on me, uh, so I can make the choices that are good for me at that moment. And that's, it's, it's so important. Um, I think as a GM to make sure that your players and yourself have that agency to make healthy, responsible decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's important to note that in these, uh, situations, uh, the, like GM is also a player and the GM should also be able to feel like, uh, they could speak up and, and say that they didn't like something in the game. If it was, uh, you know, if, if it was something that they themselves did, and I think that um, a lot of GMs feel like uh, if they introduce safety tools into their game, then that also means they are responsible for the safety of the table. And that's just not the case. It should be a collective responsibility. And the safety tool is just there for everybody. It's as a system for everybody to use um, to make sure that everyone's on the same page all the time. So uh, that's just something I would add is that the GM should also engage with these safety tools in the same way that they would encourage the players to engage with the safety tools. That's such a good point. And if you're really comfortable with those safety tools, if you use them a lot and you're working with new gamers, modeling that behavior and showing them that, hey, it's not a big deal is like so, so good to do. Um, I, yeah, I think definitely. that that responsibility falls a lot on the GM sometimes since they 
like they're usually the one who's most familiar with the game and sometimes gaming in general. Um, but just being that person, if you're the most person, the, the person who's the most comfortable with it, um, if you feel up to the task, setting that example, modeling behavior, um, it can get everybody else feeling more comfortable with speaking up for themselves. Yeah, definitely. And just like showing that um, when you do say something, it, it doesn't, uh, it, it actually does add to the game experience. It means that, you know, you can, you can yeah. chat about it briefly, you can move on, you can, you can all have the knowledge of what, what you know, have new knowledge and go forth and uh, keep having a great game. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. What about um, as designers? What can we do as as game writers and designers to incorporate safety tools into our games instead of making them feel like an afterthought that is put only uh, on the shoulders of our players? Yeah, I actually think that this one has a very um, elegant solution in that building them into the rules of your game is really, really um, is a really great way to do that. Um, in my games, I've started saying that safety tools are mandatory for this, um, just because. Um, I, I, don't, I think it would be irresponsible to play the to play my games without having safety tools. And so, if it's a rule of the game that you need to use safety tools, it becomes inherent to that experience, and you cannot play it without it. In that sense, um, building in it like it can look like saying like safety tools are mandatory. It can uh, if you have a deck of cards, um, it can include it can come, like be if you include the X card as one of those cards, and so it's just it's there inherently. Um, yeah, building it into like into the design of your game like that. Yeah, I, I I like that. I think that there are definitely games out there that should say like, hey, you need to have this in place before you do this. It is like, it, it's kind of like the responsibility. It, it's, a, it's a responsibility you have as a designer to the people who might be consuming your product, just like you would slap a content warning on, on something that might be um, sensitive uh, yep. before you publish it. In Moonpunk, we have a whole, it's not a very large section of the book, but we do have a section dedicated to safety tools and the session zero, particularly as a safety tool um, to get people talking and, and engaging with the content since it does contain some heavier topics. Um, and we specifically mentioned lines and veils in the X card in that, because again, those are the ones that I use and I'm most familiar with. Um, but in the game that I'm currently working on, the game that's being kickstarted right now, there are safety tools designed into character creation and negotiation at the table in the form of the table making, um, like having conversations kind of in this meta way, almost like what works best for us right now, what would be an appropriate reaction in, in these kinds of situations? Um, how will this be acted out later? So in the game, uh, there are stress breaks. So at certain points, um, something happens, something snaps, and you react, your character reacts, um, you get a mechanical benefit and you have a narrative setback, but you have to talk about that narrative setback before it happens. So it might be something like, yeah, when my stress breaks, I, like, I'm like a barbarian or whatever. I, I hit people harder, but I'm going to rage out. I'm going to like, out, like, uh, uh, be angry at the people around me, but you have to talk about that ahead of time and discuss it with the table first. This is what my stress break is and it opens up that conversation so if something does come up if it's going to be a problem before you get into it you will have already discussed it uh so i i i've been thinking a lot about how i can you know 
really not just have a, it's its own section. It's, it's its thing outside of the game, but built into the rules. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, there's a game that I really enjoy. Uh, it's called Blue Bids Bride, and it has a, a similar kind of way of opting into, into those experiences because it's a horror game. And so the, the players get to get to say, oh, this is like the horrific experience that I want to happen. And um, the, the groundskeeper or the, the GM like gets to say how it's worse. So it's a way of them declaring, I'm okay with you describing this particular type of horror and I'm really into it and opting into that experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a really cool way of framing it. You can still explore like heavier topics um, that just has to be with, with the agreement of the players at the table. Mm-hmm. That's a really good example of a game that includes that kind of discussion. And people yeah. really like playing, like people love playing Bluebeard's Bride because it is so horrific. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, just something that I've started doing with, um, with games is just being mindful of when I discuss safety tools in the game is being mindful of like how I approach them, where I put them in the book, how I present them. Um, even just from a graphic standpoint, like they go, they go right up, like the book, the game opens with like, this is what the game is about. And this is how basics of how you play it. And then boom, safety tools before character creation. Don't make an afterthought after everything. Um, don't put it in a sidebar. Um, sidebars are interpreted by many players as well. This is supplemental information. This is optional. This is just information that can be kind of tacked onto things. Like if you want the safety tools to be taken seriously is like Sebastian was saying, like make them part of the rules, make it like, make it clear that you're, you're describing this as this is part of the game. Um, uh, you, you can't control what the player group does themselves. Some players will ignore and they won't use the, just just like the house rule, anything else out of a game, they will house rule play, you know, safety tools out potentially. But if you present it as some sort of sidebar optional, like small, quick description of something, um, it will carry less weight and it will be less likely to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, like it's like having the, the, you have the guardrails and you have a sign that says, don't lean against the guardrails. Now, is that sign going to prevent someone from leaning against or jumping over the guardrails? No, but it would be very irresponsible for you to just not have anything there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that's a really great point, Craig, actually. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you for mentioning that. Like the, like the way it's presented uh, is really important. And if, if the designer, um, if, if it's evident the designer takes safety tools very seriously, then the GM or the player is more likely to take safety tools seriously um, by virtue of its presentation. And I've, I've also, when, when discussing kind of um, like checking in and taking breaks and what your responsibilities are and, and what safety, you know, other more active process safety tools you might use is think about what the game is about. If, if the game is a horror game, it probably deserves a little bit of discussion about the idea of safety tools with horror scenarios. Um, like uh, for, good, for Good Strong Hands, I have a section in the safety tools discussion where um, I talk about humor because the game vacillates between um, kind of dark humor, uh, dark uh, fantasy and kind of horrific and bad and evil and icky things um, uh, offset with sort of whimsical humor um, of this fantasy land. And I make a point of pointing out that like you can using humor to take that breather from the horrific scene that you went through is useful and in, in invoking humor to lighten the mood occasionally helps everybody at the table to kind of get a, a chance to take that breather but at the same time 
don't ever use, don't, don't invoke humor to make fun of someone who had an issue at a moment where you, if you, like, if you saw, like, if somebody saw somebody kind of pulling away from the table, or if they asked that the scene um, kind of get wrapped up and you kind of veil it and fast forward it, like, don't, don't take the humor in that direction, like find humor elsewhere to, to lighten the mood, like be careful about how you utilize this aspect of the game um, in relation to what kind of uh, boundaries you've set already. That's a really good point, Craig, to be really reflective as a designer and think, because you should always think about what kinds of stories people are going to tell with your game or with your adventure, whatever you're writing. Um, and reflect and be proactive and and write write out some of those safety tools in a way that does hit that genre that's a really good point and just like a gm choosing the safety tools that work best for your game instead of just like grabbing something and throwing it in yeah and making it out of the of the tone of the kind of games and the kind of stories the game is designed to tell is a big one as well so uh, thank you for mentioning that uh, like the humor as well as the the dog fantasy aspect of it yeah, I'd also like to say that as a designer, um, from a design perspective, you it, you don't necessarily have to design new safety tools. It can be something as simple as including um, options or or um, letting people know where they can go to look up different safety tools, um, because there are some really great ones out there um, that, that would work. But if they don't, then like you are, of course, um, able to design new safety tools. But uh, it doesn't have to be something that you have to do in order to make a game. Yeah, there's no no reason to reinvent the wheel when there are a lot of really great yeah. resources out there. And you should, as a designer, go read some of those resources, watch some of those interviews, uh, all, all of that. Uh, and you're going to find it's it's going to make your game better. It's going to make more people want to play it or be comfortable playing it. Uh, I'm sure that there are lots of people out there who don't want to pick up a game that doesn't have that included because they want that to be important. Uh, it's... Just read them, read, read them, yeah, <laughs> learn what absolutely. other people are doing. <laughs> it's always so like, don't, don't just like, like what I said, I, I used, I used other people's safety tools that they had developed and I gave them credit, give them credit too, because they worked hard on them. Um, but I wouldn't have known about them had I not gone out and read about them or seen them used at conventions. Um, Cause they were at that moment, not being used in my personal games. That was, uh, gosh, I think the first time I ever saw X cards used when that might have been Origins in 2017 or 18. So it's been pretty recent for me that this has been like on my mind. Although Session Zero has always been a thing, but like seeing them set like discussed as this is a safety tool has been pretty recent for me. It occurs yeah. to me too. It occurs to me too. Sebastian made the comment when we were talking from the GM perspective about don't like it. It, it doesn't fall just to the to the GM to enforce and kind of and 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 the, the safety tools. And it's the GM should also be um, prepared to you know tell the players if they're getting to something that they don't want. Is is the presenting the safety tools as a designer in in your safety tool section presenting it as a shared responsibility is important not making it um don't phrase i i, I would just argue that it's probably best to not phrase it such as like the gm will do this or you should do this it should be you know it, whenever possible 
make it clear that you're talking to everyone who's going to be playing the game. Um, and even going so far as to say that it is actually a shared responsibility um, and that it is, it is incumbent upon everyone uh, that you have a responsibility to both yourself and your fellow players to make sure that everyone's telling a story that everyone is interested in telling and not hitting on things that are going to ruin that experience for anybody. Um, that's, a, I think, incredibly useful, too, because it, it's one of those things you run into as a designer is you speak in a voice. You know, you find a voice for how you're going to communicate your game. Are you going to talk to the player? Are you talking to the player? Are you talking to the player and the GM? Are you talking to just the GM? Um, be, be wary of who you're talking to. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like having safety tools up front. It's in the section that everybody reads, right? It's not going to be in the section that mostly the GM reads. Um, get, it, yeah. get it out in front of, you know, get it in front of the people, get it in front of all the eyeballs that are going to be playing the game. Yeah, and that goes to what you were saying about not making it a sidebar. Um, so giving it the the graphic space that is necessary, giving it that that editorial weight, not just sticking it in the GM's section. Uh, I see the the um, the urge or like the the tendency maybe to put a lot of the planning section, like the campaign planning section, the session zero stuff, the safety tool stuff in what might be the narrators of the GM's section in a book. Uh, because that seems, it seems like at first glance, that might be the best place for it. The GM, they're the one who's creating the game. They're the one who's running the game. That, that does, it's harmful in two ways because number one, it's not making it seem like a player responsibility. It's putting all that onus on the GM. And it's also perpetuating the idea that the GM is the boss of everybody and they are, they're like the old fashioned schoolmaster teacher sitting there on the stage, making all the important decisions when like the, the theory of game design and game playing now is much more egalitarian at the table. Like Sebastian, like you mentioned, the GM is a player too. I wholeheartedly believe that that's my gaming philosophy their their enjoyment is important and not everything needs to be shouldered by them uh, so putting it in like you said craig somewhere where everyone is going to be looking at it um if i'm playing a game i'm not going to flip over to the to the gm section if i'm just a player i'm going to look at character creation first that's probably where you want to start with your with your safety tools some people um like starting like right with your character thinking about it uh What's your character background going to be? And <laughs> have you made sure that everyone's cool with what you're putting in your character background? Um, that like, I think that that's a really, either that or like in the introduction area of your game, I think that those are the two places I would start looking as a designer of where you might put those safety tools and start starting the conversation. You don't necessarily have to have it in just one section, but starting that conversation early on in the book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm thinking like I'm thinking about my current project and where I have it located first. And I think the very first section that you might designate as a safety tool is like in the beginning, in the intro to the book, we talk right away, like what kinds of themes are going to be touched on in this book and in the games that you might play. And that's like the first place to get started. Um, and being out front, being outright with that, 
Plus, that's a good advertising tool for your book, too. When you open it up, people people look, they say, oh, here are the themes that you're going to explore. I like that. I'm going to buy this. Like, it's just good practice. Like, <laughs> even from a selfish point of view, it's good practice in capitalism. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It does help to for people to know what they're actually getting. So listing things out in that way is very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I do. I do want to play a game that's anti-capitalist and, and about state sanctioned violence. I want that. I will buy Moonpunk. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that we haven't touched on about that? Just a little bit related to something I said earlier. I just I'm, I'm looking at some of the safety tool sections from some of my games. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'd like to talk about that. Um, in Good Strong Hands, um, there's, uh, you know, one of the things that the GM may do is to speak in the voice of the void. The void is the, the faceless malevolent entity that's trying to destroy the wonderful world of reverie. Um, and it's constantly tempting the characters and the characters might fall to corruption and all this. It's all part of the game. And it's discussed in uh, a number of places in the book that the GM may speak in the voice of the void, which is going to put, and so I basically created a, like a little warning in there to let, you know, like keep GMs keep in mind when you do this, you're going to be speaking just to that character, which means you're going to be speaking just to that player and be mindful of what, you know, where you go with that, because now it's become a very personal one-on-one -on -one thing where you're directing your, your effort um, and what you're saying at that player. And if you, you know, make sure you are clear with what the player's what that particular player, especially in that moment, is uncomfortable, not comfortable with, and make sure that you don't, you know, graze up against that or hit on something that they were clearly kind of a little edgy about, or you know, they were maybe uh, they they seem to be uh, having trouble with earlier in in the game or a previous session or something. Um, is is you know, when there are certain actions that players or the GM will take as part of the game, is like think about like how does that like. I hate to say it, but you like, for me, what happens is I imagine myself, like, what's, what's the worst, how's, what's the worst way this could go? Like if I was speaking as the voice of the void to, to Jess and I started talking about something and I, and I start talking about something that is specifically something that Jess does not want any part of in the game. Now I'm not just saying this to the whole group. I'm saying this right to Jess and that's no good. That's even, that's like a step beyond um, uh, as far as being a big no, no. So again, you know, like Jess was saying, like, and I, I've, I've been trying to do this is reflect on what the game does and what, what sorts of things you're asking players and GMs to do and how that, like, I hate to say it, but sometimes you have to kind of imagine the worst <laughs> possible scenario and say like, let's make sure people don't do that. It reminds me of uh, a horror post-apocalyptic LARP that I played called Dystopia Rising. And when your character died, like you in LARPs, when your character dies, you usually have some amount of resurrections that you can have. But in this game, or at least on the chapter that I played in, um, they would take you, one of the game masters would take you and they would have like a, almost like a one-on-one -on -one role play with you as you are traversing the grave mind and coming back to life. And it's usually like this really dark, gritty, kind of scary experience. But the great thing with LARPs is at the beginning of every weekend, the game masters, they go over the safety tools. They say, here's what you do when you need something to stop. Here's what happens. And if you don't do this, you're going to get kicked out. 
and they're they're very very explicit about that because that, like when you're pulling people aside and talking with them one on one like that and like saying horrific horrific things about their characters, that's bad things can happen and you need to make sure <laughs> that they have a way out and that that um they are physically and mentally safe like the physically safe thing in, in large that's like a whole other topic that we can don't have time to get into today uh but i i, I really like how they were able to make that experience both like terrible and heart-wrenching for me while also me not feeling unsafe at all i kudos to to those game masters for dystopia rising indianapolis <laughs> that, that sounds very cool and i think that also just uh brings up an important distinction between um people feeling safe doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't feel uh challenged or uh or, or even like if, if someone is is open to exploring like heavier topics it means that they can't like they do have the the space to feel slightly uncomfortable with it but it just it's just when that feeling um, impacts their like the positivity of their game experience is when it would become a problem so if people are open to like feeling kind of slight discomfort and they're interested in exploring that then like then that's okay um, it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be difficult or big emotions at the table um, safety tools are just a way to manage it yeah we we like being challenged we most not everybody but most of us like feeling uncomfortable at times with the media that we consume uh, the safety tools give us that agency to experience it in a fun way, in, right. in a way. It's it's yeah. not terribly different from like why horror movies are enjoyable. Like you know, you'll one of the first things you'll hear anybody who talks about who you know like who, who has examined horror movies is that why do why do why do people like love horror movies? So much? <laughs> because it's a way to be scared and to know that at the end you're going to be safe. Like you can you can experience that. Oh, and know that Freddy's not going to actually slice you up in your dreams. It's cathartic. It's um, it's <laughs> cathartic, and it's it's yeah, and and so safety tools are a way of of bringing that into the game space where you can experience um, deep sadness at a moment. You can experience tension and anxiety. You can be on the edge of your seat. You can be really worried um, of for uh, you know for your character or for uh, some other character. In, in but you can do it in such a way that you know, it's not going to push to the point of like stopping the enjoyment of that experience. Yeah. You're watching the movie with your hands over your eyes, uh, looking at it between your fingers or with the lights on, or if you really need to, you can pause and put the movie away, maybe permanently. Uh, and, and it's, <laughs> again, I'm such a big advocate for these safety tools because it lets you do it in the way that you want to do it. poo on people who who say that they aren't necessary or talk talk down yeah. on them <laughs> poo. Poo. It, it's not a lot like it's it's very few people i feel like and it's it's kind of this archaic way of thinking now um but like it's all those it's like the same people who are like oh trigger warnings oh these 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 people are so weak no it's not about being weak at all it's about knowing what you want it takes a lot of strength to know what you want and speak out for what you want more than yeah. letting people walk all over you. Yeah, exactly. Like I never, you know, the argument a lot of times is things like, you know, well, you know, and it, it goes with, with anything with, with, you know, uh, uh, over uh, being quote unquote, overly sensitive about stuff. Well, you know, like my, my parents weren't like that and they turned out fine. Well, <laughs> no, they probably didn't. They probably had a great deal of anxiety. They drank, they, they maybe died 
earlier than they would have um, if they had had a better, you know, there's just, there's all sorts of bad things that go along with, you know, like bad things happening in your life. There's, well, all, there's, there's repercussions to it. Survivorship to, bias. Yeah. To say, yeah, to say, to say that, you know, like, well, you know, my, my game group doesn't need to do any stuff we've handled where we don't, nobody gets triggered by anything. It's like, you, you don't really know that there's people that like you've, you remember the people that stuck with you for that game group long-term, but what about that person that came to the game, play two times and then quit and never said anything about it again? Well, you know what? You probably drove them away by doing something that they were like, nope, this is not for me. I am out. Um, and how many stories do we all know of people, even now, people who have had, you know, who have managed to persevere playing in um, the RPG community who had terrible experiences at one point who like, you know, they, the first time they played a game, they just, they felt unwelcome at the table and, and topics were broached that they like, nope, I'm out, I'm done. And they didn't come back to it for 10 years because it took time for them to move to a different place or have different people around them or have a different experience or have a friend who went with them or whatever it took that helped them find um, the, that better experience. Mm -hmm. Or how many times have we seen people have to leave the, the professional TTRPG space because they weren't conscious of those safety tools and they made a bad experience for their players in a way that was harmful because they didn't have those tools in place or didn't follow them. Cause, cause there can be professional repercussions too. And I think that that is like, we, it personally, like my philosophy is to make gaming as open and safe for everyone as possible. And that means taking that very seriously. Uh, so, I mean, if you got to get with the times, <laughs> you got to get with the times. If you're a game designer nowadays, or if you're a professional GM, you got to, that's, this is the way it is. And it's a good thing. And don't don't go out with the dinosaurs because that's where you'll go. And, 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 I'll, and I'll say this too, for those of us who are looking, and those of you who are listening and looking to make the game that is going to be appealing to more people. Mm -hmm. um, the people who don't want the safety tools, if they really dig your game, they'll buy your game. They won't use the safety tools. Boom, yeah. game sold. The people who want to have that safety tool, those safety tools in place and won't buy your game unless they are there not going to sell that your game to that, those people. And just, I mean, just literally from a capitalist point of view, from just like getting the game into people's hands and getting people to play it and enjoy it. Um, you know, you're, you're appealing to more people by offering these things that will, will make the game a better experience overall. Yeah. Um, I Agreed. I mean, the more people you can reach, and then that means it's, it's more people who, um, you know, maybe you'll maybe your game will be the first experience that someone has with safety tools, and they'll read it, and it will completely like change the way that they view gaming, and that, and they'll go back to their gaming group and say, hey, can we give this a try? And that and that's really great too. Oh, those are the best stories when somebody like when somebody has a great experience with your game for the first time, and and and, and gives you reasons why, and if one of those reasons is because like the game allowed me, you know, it gave me tools and for me and my friends to make sure that I'd be able to, to deal with the potential issues. Yeah. Like just having like, you know, we, as game designers, we talk about this all the time. Like when you, if you get somebody telling you um, like a compliment, because there's just compliments are few and far between especially <laughs> the, the, the indie folks. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, when somebody tells you something that about, about the, how, how much they love your game for this, you know, reason X, Y, or Z it, you know, it makes your day for, or the, or it makes your week or it makes your month. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, like putting the game out there in people's hands and having somebody 
like really love it and tell you so because you included that thing. Like you enriched somebody's life and they gave you $5 (laughs) and and, and they gave you a compliment and that made you feel better and made made you enjoy doing this more. And it kept, you know, to harken back to last week's episode where it made you not want to quit (laughs) Um, and and made you want to continue doing it because like you, you know, it's, there's a whole synergy that happens with all of those things that, that, that kind of uplift everybody and make it a positive experience all around. For sure. Well, this has been, I, I, I love having these conversations. I think more people in the space need to have conversations about why these tools are important. So thank you, Sebastian, for coming on and talking about that with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I think it is nice to see that uh, like the culture around safety tools is gradually changing. And so um, it's really important to keep having these conversations so that uh, it eventually just becomes the, uh, like the, like the dominant view, I suppose. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us um, where we can find you, things you want to plug. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can find me primarily on Twitter at Sebastian UA. So that's Sebastian Y-U-E, all one word. Uh, you can find me on itch. Like I'm pretty, I'm Sebastian UA pretty much everywhere. Um, all my links are on my link tree. So that's link tree slash Sebastian UA. Um, I am constantly working on things, uh, whether it be uh, streams and actual plays or uh, designing my own games. Uh, you can keep up with everything that I'm doing by following me on Twitter. And uh, again, like I would like to plug the, uh, the TTRPG Safety Toolkit, which is a resource that's co-curated uh, by Kiana Shaw and Lauren Bryant-Monk, which I also contributed some transcriptions of panels and interviews to. It's a really, really great resource. Uh, check it out if you want to know more about safety tools. Awesome. Uh- uh, thank you again. Yes, uh, thank, thank you. you for having me. You can find me on Twitter at, at Joska. You can also find my current Kickstarter for the Means of Magic at bit.ly forward slash the means of well, forward slash means of magic with a K at the end. And I didn't make that very easy for myself at all. Uh, and I think we'll be in the second week of that. So I'd appreciate it if you took a look, shared it, told me that it is awesome. Give me that compliment. oh and i'm craig campbell um i'm at nerdburger craig on twitter and uh the website is nerdburgergames.com and uh, games are available at drivethroughrpg.com and uh and now we're in the mode of like where are these games going to be available at conventions again because conventions are happening and i'm starting to plan for conventions for next year and it's all very exciting uh yes I'm so excited for conventions again. Soon, (laughs) soon. Um, Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Our opening and closing music is Avel by Steph Sachs, which was uh, released under a Creative Commons license. So thank you, Steph Sachs, for that. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye.